Welcome to After Yes. On this podcast, we interview people who have said yes to traveling to Niger to love and serve the people there. My name is Michael Thaler, and I'm so excited to introduce you to some awesome people. We will hear stories of how God uses our yes to grow us and impact those around us. We hope this podcast sheds some light on what God is doing in the country of Niger, but more importantly, that it might inspire you to say yes to your next step so you can experience what God has in store for you. Hello, Mick. It's good to have you here. And uh, just wanted you to introduce yourself and uh, share a little about yourself. Michael, thank you for having me. Really appreciate being on today and talking about Niger. A little bit of background uh, for all the listeners out there. I'm Mick Weinholt. I'm in my early 40s. I have been married to an absolutely wonderful woman for the last 15 years. And God has blessed us with four kids, three of which are living. We have identical twins that are three right now, and um, our oldest living child is eight. Other tiny background I think that might make sense for the listeners to hear is that I accepted Christ at the age of six and then spent roughly the next 25 years running from any meaningful relationship with Jesus. So it wasn't until um, I was 31 and God took our firstborn child that he really got my attention, and uh, over the last 10 years, I've had an actual meaningful relationship with Jesus. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. So how did we meet? So we both go to Mechanicsville Christian Center, or MCC, to uh, many of the listeners, and we were both in financial services at the time. I'm uh, currently in a different career trajectory, but um, we got introduced by mutual friends, and the idea was, hey, you guys need to get together. You can talk shop in terms of financial services and financial planning and those types of things. Oh, and by the way, Michael leads these mission trips to Niger, and maybe he'll talk to you about those. So it was really kind of funny, the, uh, the mutual friendships um, that led us together. And then when you initially had reached out to me, you left me a voicemail. So I didn't recognize your number. I didn't have you plugged in. And you left me a voicemail and you specifically said something to the extent of, uh, I want to you know, chat with you about Niger. So I intentionally let that voicemail sit for about six weeks. And, um, and then another mutual friend said, hey, I just had breakfast with Michael. You guys should really connect. So at that point, I thought, okay, I should really probably follow up on this. And so we ended up meeting for uh, for lunch after a lot of phone tag and text tag and that type of thing. Yeah, I remember that breakfast I was having with that person. And uh, your name came up. And uh, they said, oh, I know Mick well. And I said, hey, I left him a voicemail. And can you help me connect? And uh, he did right there at that breakfast table. So that was really cool. Yeah. And then... Uh, Niger. So how did you get to Niger? So I think it's important for the listeners to hear that Michael and I go to lunch. And um, prior to the lunch, my wife and I had very intentionally rehearsed responses to the conversation that Michael and I were going to have. So um, particularly because this is how the Lord works in mysterious ways. So for all of the listeners, at the time that Michael and I are sitting down having lunch, I have two 10-month-old twins and a six-year-old at home, okay? Um, and so we were very purposeful, we being my wife and I, were very purposeful in that the response about going to Niger was going to be no. And not just no, but no and 
no, that sounds great, but no, no, thank you. No, 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 basically. And in the course of our lunch, we spent roughly 90 minutes or so talking about life, financial services, Christianity, spirituality, all kinds of wonderful things. And then Niger came up. And so again, I'm braced, I'm prepped, I've role-played this out with my wife. I know exactly what's coming, just at least conceptually, that you're going to tell me about Niger, how amazing it is, how all kinds of life transformation occurs, and my response is going to be no. And so for the listeners there, uh, Michael and I had a fabulous conversation, and what ended up happening was you slid across the table a half sheet of glossy paper that had a whole bunch of dates on it for the missions of uh, 2020 and I think maybe even 2021 at the time. And as you push that across the table, I was hoping, I was not praying, I can't say I was praying about it, I was hoping that the dates you were going to suggest were April or later, at which point I could basically say, oh, it's going to be so busy with work, there's no way I could possibly go, but it's amazing, I hope you have a great time over there. And instead, you slid the paper across the table, and you pointed to February, which is the slowest month for me for work at the time and I knew exactly at that moment that I was going. So I ended up going home talking to my wife about it and said, hey, I need to um, tell you about my lunch with Michael. And um, she said, well, I'm sure that'll be a pretty quick conversation. And I said, well, not so much. And so as we talked about it that evening, I told her, I said, honey, um, I didn't feel pulled. I didn't feel pushed. Michael didn't twist my arm. I didn't say yes to Michael at that lunch, but I can tell you I'm going. And the best word to describe that is it's inevitable. And her response was, okay, that's the Holy Spirit. We'll work it out. So a couple of days later, I called you back and said, I'm going. Let's do it. And that's how we got to Niger. Yeah, that was a great lunch. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite lunches of all time. And I think we ended up going hours before all finished completely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was a great time. So what surprised you about Niger and uh, or a defining moment for you? So there's a handful of things that I think um, are worth everybody hearing. The first of which is, is that you and your team do a fabulous job of coordinating the trips, okay? And so while it appears on this side of the pond to be incredibly distant, incredibly remote, incredibly scary, we're in really good hands the entire time that we're over there. So the surprising item was that I was very quickly comfortable. The second that we landed, I had zero concerns, if you will, beyond you know any type of you know normal uh, new scenario, new location, those types of things. So that's kind of item number one. Item number two was... The Bible genuinely came alive to me over there. So an example of that would be at one point we were walking through the, uh, we'll call them the, the streets, if you will, of a particular village. And um, for the listeners, these aren't wide per se, but this is these are all of the footpaths that everyone would take to get around these villages. And we're walking right by thorns. And as I looked over and saw those thorns, 
the idea of um, Jesus having a crown of thorns on his head went from that being an Easter prop to the reality of, wow, there are thorns right next to where people live. And that's why they would have grabbed this and put a crown of thorns on Jesus's head. This wasn't something that was previously scripted out and, and, and was a whole bunch of show. This was an example of life back in the biblical ages included really raw things like that. Whereas in my suburbia and urban life, there aren't thorns that I'm walking around right next to every day in between house and house. So that was just one example of sort of how the Bible genuinely came alive. There were many other ones as well. But I think the item that is the largest and that was the most impactful for me, and there were so, so many of them, is that on the rooftop, which is at the um, Link Outreach Center, and um, the evening debriefs that would occur. So those these were um, really, really neat encounters with God. And the moment, though, that I think is most defining for me personally was having a face-to-face encounter with the God of the universe on the rooftop over there and having my, lack of a better way to describe it, my mind blown, if you will, okay, and then debriefing that individual experience with the other roughly dozen people that were on our team and hearing about other mind-blowing experiences for the other people that were on the rooftop feet away from me and how they had had at the exact same time as me, they had an individual, personal, mind-blowing face-to-face encounter with the God of the universe. And what that did for me was it helped me to understand to the extent that I could in my human self, the the breath of God, meaning breath, meaning his, his magnitude, because it was a completely individual and personal experience that I was having with him that I thought in my own sort of human sense, there's no way that anybody else could be consuming any part of God at this time. And yet, moments later, I find out they were all having similar types of encounters. And it completely expanded my understanding, both at the heart level, soul level, and at the head level, about how God really is massive far beyond what I could have ever imagined previously. That's a great story. God does exceptional things on the rooftop in Niger, and um, both individually and collectively in yeah. Yeah, crazy ways. Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, how did saying yes to Niger impact the way you think or the way that you live life today? So I think the, uh, there's, a, there's a handful of things to share there. The first of which is, is that when the Holy Spirit prompts you, your best thing to do is do what he says. Um, so as as discussed, I had no interest in going to Niger. My thinking was if I ever did a mission trip, it would be something domestic, something very tame. And then all of a sudden, I'm sort of thrust into uh, you know the other the other side of the globe, in essence. But as a result of being obedient to his prompting, 
my family has been blessed because of the way in which I'm able to communicate with them about God's love, um, the value and the um, the liveliness of what is in the Bible in a much different way than I could experience and could share in experiences prior to that. Um, the other elements, and I'll mention this briefly um, in terms of the Bible coming alive, is that we're oftentimes called to be light in dark places. And one of the experiences that we had in Niger was very truly a light in dark places type of scenario. So for our team in particular, we donated desks to a um, school in a Muslim village led by Muslim leaders, Muslim teachers, etc. And um, for the listeners out there, this was a scenario where the children were literally sitting on dirt floors in in essence, thatch classrooms. So if it were to rain, for example, which it does rain over there, um, they would be literally getting wet. They'd be sitting in the mud, etc. Um, and so here we were as a group of Christians donating to them desks for the children. And there wasn't any catch to it, of course not. But the beauty in all of that was we were simply saying out of out of generosity, in essence, out of the grace that comes from God with us being pipes and not buckets, meaning grace flows from the Lord to and through us, we were benefiting intentionally their children. And the interactions and the conversation that was shared between you and those leaders of that village was absolutely illuminating to me about how even a relatively simple gesture can bring light, light of the world into the very dark place that existed for those children and those other visitors or other villagers, excuse me. So, um, you know, back to your question, how does or how has Niger ultimately changed things? It's seeing that both here domestically in everyday life and beyond that in relatively simple ways, you can clearly communicate God's love to others. One other very quick example would be the many orphanages that we visited. Oftentimes, the children that were at those orphanages spoke French or any of the um, native languages to the continent. And of course, I only speak English and most of us on that trip did as well. And so we were then forced to communicate love and other things through very limited ways. And again, it showed that by caring with your eyes, caring with your emotions, you can communicate that you love somebody in a way that is meaningful for them. That's powerful. Yeah, that's so powerful. So um, I'd like to just give you a, a minute to encourage the listeners. Um, what would you like to leave them with? I would say if you have, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna leave two, two things, if you will. So the first is if you have the opportunity to go to Niger or any other mission, I highly encourage you to do it. If it becomes a stretch experience or if you are recognizing it as something that would be incredibly uncomfortable, I can say from experience, God will meet you there and will take care of everything that you are worried about. Um, so follow the Holy Spirit's prompting and go. Wherever that go is, 
go. And I think uh, Jesus talked about that very clearly in Matthew, where he said, we are to go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say we are to sit. So my encouragement to the listeners is if you feel prompted or if you are asked or whatever it may be, and your initial response like mine is no, turn that no into a go, okay? Um, And then the other element is is that uh, my encouragement for the listeners is that the God of the universe is exactly that. He is huge. He is huge. And yet he has an individual and personal relationship with everybody that wants it. So invite him into that relationship. He's certainly inviting you, but he will meet you anywhere you are at any given time. And I saw that on the other side of the globe. I continue to experience that in my life pre-Niger, post-Niger, but it is amazing God's size, scope, magnitude, omniscience, omnipresence, and yet the individuality that he expresses with each one of us. Um, We are blessed by, I am blessed by, and I hope that the other listeners are encouraged by. That's great, Mick. Thank you so much for being here and sharing, and uh, you've been a huge blessing. Well, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure, Michael, to get to know you as a person and to get to experience life with you both here and um, over in Niger. You're doing great work, so thank you for what you do. Thanks, Mick. Appreciate it. Sometimes God presents us with an opportunity that may just change us forever. What do you need to say yes to in your life today? <laughs>